You are now listening to the Music Mania Podcast, brought to you by CD Warehouse in Gladstone, the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest, featuring hard-hitting interviews with rock's living legends. And now, here's your host, Clint Schweitzer. On today's episode of the Music Mania Podcast, we are going back to the golden age of rock and roll. We're going to be welcoming a very special guest in Tommy James. Yes, Tommy James of Tommy James and the Shondells. The guy is an absolute legend in the music business. Everyone knows the hits. Hanky Panky, Moni Moni, I Think We're Alone Now, Crimson and Clover. All of these songs epitomize great pop music of the late 60s and are now widely used in television and film and have been covered by a diverse group of artists from Billy Idol to R.E.M., uh, Prince, Joan Jett, Tommy James, his music is as synonymous with that time period of the 60s, uh, mid-60s to early 70s as, as anyone. You think about some of his peers like Herman's Hermans, Frankie Valli in the Four Seasons, Dion in the Belmonts, that is exactly musical landscape that Tommy James was forged from. We're going to talk to him about his current tour, which hits Branton, Missouri, this Friday night at the, the Welk Theater. You want to get tickets to that. You want to go check out Tommy James if you're going to be in the Branson area. Just one of the most legendary acts uh, in music, and he's still out there doing it, doing a great job putting on high-end performances. He's got a new album out, uh, coming out, I should say, in 2019 called Alive. So we're going to talk to him about that. We're going to talk to him about the time that uh, he turned down a slot to play the Woodstock Festival. How did that happen? Uh, can't wait to talk to him about that. The fact that his record label, Roulette Records, was merely a front for the Genovese crime family and the mob. I tell you, this guy has one of the greatest stories. Uh, his book, Me, the Mob, and the Music, came out in 2011, and I can't recommend it enough. It is one of the great books, one of the great autobiographies in rock music history, and uh, tells the tale of Tommy James, his journey, uh, recording Hanky Panky at the age of 16, uh, the wonderful career he's had, so many big hits, and the journey that his, his career has taken uh, 50 years later. Unbelievable, and we can't wait to get to that. It has been uh, just a whirlwind for me as the fall is now upon us. I'm out on the road filming uh, a documentary, an SEC football documentary called Saturday Supremacy. So I've been on the road, but that did not stop me from catching the Scorpion Sunday night in Dallas. What a show that was. My second time seeing them this year. I'm a huge diehard fan of the Scorpions. It was great to see them again and go backstage and, and meet the guys again, uh, catch up with them. Uh, obviously, we had Matias Jabs from the Scorpions on uh, a couple months ago. A couple weeks ago, so uh, really cool to catch up with them, and we're going a, a different direction with this interview, though, with Tommy James, but that's what we're about here on, on the Music Mania Podcast. We go we go all the way back uh, to the early days of rock and roll, to the foundation of what makes rock great and what made it great in the 70s and 80s and, and 90s. Uh, not so much today, of course, but, uh, you know, with a few exceptions, but... That's what we do here. We, we, you know the songs. We want to bring you the stories, and that's what we're going to do. Our interview with Tommy James is going to come in on the other side. But first, I've got to tell you about our sponsors, CD Warehouse in Gladstone, Missouri. For over 50 years, a staple of the Northland, guys, they buy, sell, and trade CDs, DVDs, vinyl, and more. The owner, Randy Ringer, tell them Music Mania sent you, and they will give you a discount. Guys, do not let the vibe of the old-school record store go by the wayside. CD Warehouse in Gladstone, Missouri, for over 22 years, a staple of the Northland. First off, it's just great to have you back on. It's It's been about Thank a year you. and a half, and um, I've been doing some extensive traveling lately, and what keeps me calm, what keeps me sane, is certainly 60s on 6 on XM, 
and uh, and your and your show on Sunday nights, which is amazing. Just kind of talk about uh, Thank you. how you got into doing that and what it's like for you. Just it's got to be just a, an honor being in there to talk about yeah. play this great music. I mean, it's just it's so cool. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, well, when they uh, they came to me and asked me to do the show, and, you know, I had never done anything like this before, and so it really kind of caught me off guard, and I feel like uh, I, was, I was very honored, but it, it worried me a little bit because it's such a different thing, uh, you know, starting from scratch, conversations and all kinds of things, and I... And, uh, uh, so I'd never done this before, and it was very new to me. So I didn't know how it was gonna, how I was gonna do. So thankfully, uh, we've been doing it for uh, several months now, and the reaction has just been fantastic from the fans and from radio across the country. It just uh, has been it's something I've never tried, and uh, I'm just glad it's going well. I'm glad the fans are having such a great time with it. It's wonderful. It's called Getting Together. It's on uh, Sunday evenings, and um, is it's 60s on 6, which is just a tremendous, it's my go-to station. And, and you've done things like, you've done, um, you know, some infomercials and things with Time Life in the past. To, to me, it seems like, you keeping this music from the golden age of rock and roll alive is, is very important to you, and this has just got to be a really cool way to do that, to keep it out there. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, it is, and it's, and it's very different for me. So uh, I'm, I'm just glad to be doing it. And by the way, you know, Sirius XM is such an amazing operation up there. Um, it is, you know, 60 Minutes or somebody ought to come up and do a documentary on it because it is really a, a, an amazing place um, Twenty-four-seven uh, programming. Uh, you know, constantly they've got uh, you know talking a couple of hundred stations with uh, with round-the-clock uh, programming, and it's constantly going on. And so every one of their studios up there is filled constantly. And when you go up there, you never know who you're going to run into. You know, a movie star or a, you know a rock and roller or uh, uh, you know, a sports figure. You, you never know who you're going to see. So it's really a, an amazing place to work. Uh, one person you might run into who uh, is definitely a peer of yours that has a show on SiriusXM is Peter Noon, who does a wonderful show on there as well. And I love yeah, he's on Saturdays. We're on Sundays. Yep. The same basic time slot. Well, you are such a big fan of the British Invasion and Herman's Hermits, and, and uh, Peter Noon is like right exactly your same age, and I know you guys all kind of came out very, you know, very similarly as far as uh -huh. the, the timeline goes, but uh, Herman's Hermits is my favorite band of the British Invasion, which is kind of funny uh, to say that, because obviously it includes the Dave Clark Five and the Beatles, but uh, what Peter does in his act now is is unbelievable. I don't know if you've seen him live lately, but my goodness, he's awesome, and uh, Herman's Hermits is... Yeah, I have. I have seen him live. Amazing. Just amazing. Stuff. Anytime. Like, we've worked together, too. Too many times. Yeah, yeah, he's just hilarious uh, on stage. I didn't realize what he was almost a stand-up comedian as well up there. He's great and right. keeping that music alive. And uh, for you, the touring continues. We got you here in Missouri at, in Branson on Friday. Looking forward to seeing the show, Tommy. You guys are going to be here at the yeah, Theater. It's going to be fun. We're really looking forward. We are really looking forward to coming down and doing it. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, you know we're going to do a meet and greet after the show like we always do and uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a great time it always is and it's gonna be great to have you here and back in, in branson you and you you know you keep the touring schedule going you keep it uh keep it up to i mean well on average what you say about 
30 shows a year? Is that kind of where you yeah, try to keep it? Yeah, that's about right. Uh, we do about 30 uh, uh, concert shows a year, and cause, you know, because we're in the middle of so many other things. We, of course, the radio show, and then uh, we're doing a movie now. You know, our book, Me, the Mob, and the Music, is being turned into a movie. I, I remember talking to you about that uh, a while ago when they were, it hadn't quite moved forward yet. So yes, let's, indeed. Let's well, it's moved that. along. It's moved along quite well now. They are, uh, you know, Barbara DeFine is producing the movie. Who did? She did uh, Goodfellas and she did uh, Casino and Hugo a couple of years ago with Martin Scorsese and just a, a slew of great movies. And then the screenplay has been done by Matthew Stone. Wow. And... They are now, as we speak, picking a director, and as soon as that happens, things will move along much faster than they'll do the casting and the music and all the rest. Well, uh, so uh, we're probably looking at about another 18 months or so. Well, those that aren't aware, uh, of course, your book came out back in, I think, 2011. It's Me, the Mob, and the Music. Just a wonderful, one of the top, uh, you know, to me, rock autobiographies of all time. And, you know, you talked about uh, the producer of this film. You talked about films like Casino and Goodfellas. Uh, that, that There's definitely a tie-in there with your career, with uh, those kind of, uh, you know, activities. You talk about, um, you know, your relationship with Roulette Records uh, in the yeah. book, and it's one of the most fascinating tales, I think, in, in music history. Uh, just kind of briefly, for those that don't have the book, kind of talk about what your relationship was like and kind of the ties into the mob, basically. Oh, no, it sure does. Yeah. It sure does. Um, uh, yeah, we were uh, Roulette Records, the, the, the label we had most of our hits on. Um very definitely was was a mob label. There's no getting around it. They were uh, a front for the Genovese crime family in New York. And in addition to being a functioning label, because they were a pretty good little independent label, we had we did about 110 million records with Roulette. Uh, but uh, they definitely had a dark side, and we couldn't talk about it. Absolutely, and now they're all—they've all died. So you can now, right? So <laughs> Since they're gone, we we can write the book and tell the story. Oh, it's a fantastic one, and and your career. I always look at um, you know musical careers and and the music business is so much about timing and being in the right place at the right time. And for you, right. that was probably 1965 when uh, the local promoter Bob Mack found a copy of Hanky Panky in a used record bin and started playing it in Pittsburgh dance clubs. It wound up getting bootlegged to death. Lots of it was a regional hit. Would you say, if not for that, do you think your career would have got to where it wound up getting to? Absolutely not. Yeah. I, I, I really uh, am amazed when you look at, at all the little miracles that happened in my life and in my career. Uh, getting to New York after Hanky Panky. You know, Hanky Panky was such a, a fluky record uh, that had been recorded uh, two and a half years earlier and suddenly broke out in Pittsburgh uh, for no apparent reason. They have a, uh, they had a sort of underground music business in Pittsburgh. And uh, uh, so, you know, it was one of those records that, that uh, you couldn't stop. And uh, so because they played in Pittsburgh and we went number one in Pittsburgh, we then had a regional breakout. And uh, we came to New York and sold the record to Roulette and they took it all over the world. So, you know, I owe them a lot. Uh, you know, uh, Roulette Records has been awfully, was awfully good for us, even though uh, they had a very dark side to them. Well, uh, your music is, is such a part of the American lexicon and, and, and the fabric of, uh, you know, the golden age of rock and roll. And 
featured in 54 movies, 39 television soundtracks. Is it to this day when you're you know watching something? You know, to me, I'm a big Wonder Years fan, and Fred Savage and that series, Crimson and Clovers, and that you see Hanky Panky in movies like Forrest Gump. When you see stuff like this, is it still kind of surreal all these years later to to see your music in these and featured in these things? Well, I'm very flattered that they use uh, our music. I really am. Uh, we've had so many cover versions also, and I just, I, I love to hear uh, uh, young bands' uh, interpretation of our songs. I, I, I always uh, get a kick out of that, and I uh, am very honored and flattered that they use so much of our material in uh, movies and television and commercials. It really is important to keep the music in front of the fans. Well, ironically, within a week of each other, I'm going to see uh, you and fr- on Friday in Branson, and then Billy Idol about a few days later in Kansas City. So uh, you talked oh, about, right? yeah. So you talk about the cover cover versions over 300 done. Obviously, Billy Idol did Moni Moni, a great version it, of, of sure. all the song. Is there is there one that stands out? Is there something that you you know you like? Oh wow, that was the one that cover I really liked. Is there one that kind of stands out to you? Yeah, I, I think, well, the, you know, so many of them did. Prince doing Crimson and Clover just shortly before he died was was really very important. And he did a, a beautiful job uh, of it. I also liked R.E.M.'s version of Dragon the Lion. Yeah. That was in the Austin Powers movie. I, I thought they did a, a great job on it. And uh, I, like I said, I've been so flattered and honored that so many different artists from, you know, different kinds of artists, uh, Dolly Parton and I did did Crimson and Clover duet together. Yeah. Um, you know, Tom Jones did I'm Alive from the Crimson and Clover album. It's just amazing to me. And uh, uh, I, I, I really love hearing the new versions. Well... Tommy, you've, you've celebrated uh, being in the music business for over 50 years recently. I mean, you were inducted into the New Jersey Hall of Fame by Stevie Van Zandt uh, recently. Just What was that like? Obviously, you were born in the upper Midwest, and, and, and uh, you were originally from uh, Indiana, South Bend, and then Michigan. But uh, with, there's so many great artists that come from Michigan from your era. But being you know, obviously, New Jersey be kind of, became kind of your, your home front. And to be inducted into that Hall of Fame had to be a special thing for you as well. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I would love to do the Hall of Fame, the uh, uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when the movie comes out. Yeah. I think that would be a, a really great one-two punch. Oh, that that's something that absolutely needs to be in the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I've talked to so many other artists about this from, I mean, from bands like Kiss and Judas Priest and Deep Purple. It's such a, it's such a weird system of getting in and there's a lot of people that don't even know how it works the guys from deep purple said they didn't even know how they didn't only got one ticket to only bring their wife couldn't even bring band members it was it's a weird it's a weird deal so it's one of those deals that you it's you never know right you never know what's i have always felt well i've always taken the position that you know when it's our turn we'll do it we did uh, you know when joan jett was inducted uh uh two years ago we did uh uh crimson and clover with joan on stage at the Hall of Fame when she was being inducted, we did uh, a Crimson and Clover with Joan Jett, Miley Cyrus, and Dave Grohl yeah. all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it was four generations of rock and rollers. I thought that was a, a very special moment. I've got that pulled up, that video on YouTube pulled up right now and looking at that. It's so cool. It's funny, like Miley Cyrus, somehow of all the ones, like it's just seeing her in there. You talk about the four generations. I mean, Dave Grohl is a guy that... You know, you talk about any style of music. He knows that he's a student of the game. Yeah, very talented guy. Absolutely. And, of course, Joan Jett did the wonderful version of Crimson and Clover, and that was just wonderful. But it's going to be your turn someday as well. I mean, you just think about the hits from, um, you know, from, from Sweet 
Cherry Wine to Dragon the Line, Crystal Blue Persuasion, Hanky Panky. You guys, you know, you just that music is such a part of of the fabric. I mean, you go back. I mean, you think about peers of yours, you know, Dion and the Belmonts and, uh, you know, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. And you go back to that. I mean, that music is it, it's timeless, you know, and that's what well, I think. Well, thank it's you. And I, I, listen, it's a real honor to be uh, thought of uh, with those people because uh, uh, we, we really made it at a, at a very special moment uh, in the music business. And uh, I, I uh, of course, none of us realized that we were making history when we did this stuff because, uh, you know, as you're living moment to moment, you just don't, you don't feel it like that. But uh, it's wonderful to look back and see uh, uh, all the artists that we made it with, and it's uh, it's a great honor to be one of them. Do you think music has the same connection today? I mean, I know it's easy to go back and say everything was, was better before, and I'm certainly guilty of that a lot of the times, but you know, you, what you guys had, and you think about in the in the 50s and in the, in the 60s when you came out, and the music being played in the malt shops, and it was a, a, you know people's first dances at, at school dances and their first kisses, those are magical moments today do you think music has the same connection with people in a non-physical world it's all digital and just kind of finding it on youtube and well you know this is the, the you know things always change and uh there's a lot of great music out there today there really is uh, i am uh, really uh, amazed that i've been able to be in the music business long enough to see the whole thing in sort of a historical perspective you know, coming uh, from the technology uh, of the of the 60s and 70s and 80s and all the stuff from the space program and finally all the digital stuff. There has never been a better time for getting music to uh, fans all over the world than right now. And yeah. uh, so uh, we're very lucky. We have a new album coming out the first of the year called Alive. And it's really great to be able to uh, uh, to connect with people all over the planet. It really is an amazing uh, opportunity that digital uh, technology allows you to do. Well, I can't wait to, to hear Alive, and we'll have to talk again You know, when that comes out in 2019. And talk about some of the guys you're playing with right now. Obviously, um, Greg Smith's a great friend of ours uh, of the show. He's you know he's a member of the Shondells. He plays with Ted Nugent. The guy's incredible. He's played with Alice Cooper. So many great, yeah. he's amazing. Talk about Greg and some of the guys you got playing with you right now. Sure. Well, the John Golden, who uh, originally was with Meatloaf, um, uh, is our lead guitar player. Um, uh, Greg Smith, you mentioned um, uh, Jonathan Ash, who. Uh, uh, was a friend of mine from all the way back in the 60s. He played on a bunch of our 60s records, played bass on Moni Moni and so forth. And so it's a group of people that have been with me for a, really about 30 years now that the, the present group has been with me. And of course the original Shondells and I were only together for about uh, five years. Sure. And uh, uh, so we're still friends and they they uh, you know they are uh, they're they're living in the Pittsburgh area, but uh, it's the group that's been with me now has been with me for over thirty years, and I'm really glad to have them. And they are a, a good bunch of guys, and I, I I'm I'm so glad that we can still perform on the road. It really uh, it's really great to you know because I think the, you get your strength from um, from playing together on the road. Sure. That really is very important to be a working act. 
And um, so I'm so glad that I've managed to stay healthy all these years, and we can uh, we can still go out and uh, and party on the road. Absolutely, I, you know it's always wonderful about you. You got to be one of the few musicians that have only had one job your whole life, Tommy. You you got a guitar, I think, around age 12. Started getting paid for it right around then, and never yeah. had another job since. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That's like being a paper boy all your life. <laughs> <laughs> Your whole life. <laughs> a little better than that. It's a little better. It's got to be a little better. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um, I tell you, just so many, so many wonderful, uh, you know, memories of growing up and 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 hearing your music. And I think absolutely, so it's a wonderful business to be in. You know, I look out at our our concert crowd now, and I see literally three generations of people. Yeah. That's really cool. It's really astonishing. It really is. Um, another funny thing from the book uh, that I want to go back to. It's been six or eight months since I read it, but you, um, I believe, if I remember correct, you turned down a spot at uh, at Woodstock. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. What was the story behind that? Well, basically, we were in Hawaii at the time, and you know, my biggest. Here we are in the middle of paradise, and I get a call from. Uh, my secretary in New York said, listen, Artie Kornfeld is up and they'd really like you to come up. Uh, there's going to be a big gig uh, at a pig farm in upstate New York. I said, what? <laughs> you want me to leave paradise and come home and play a pig farm? Is that what you just said? And he said, well, they say it's going to be a big show. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, if we're not there, start without us. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and it was called Woodstock. And uh, we knew by Friday of that week when they closed down the New York Thruway that we screwed up really bad. Yeah, yeah, you might have got stuck in traffic anyway. You might not have been able to make it in. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because uh, a few years ago I played Woodstock, you know, Bethel Park Arena. Uh, up there at Woodstock and I said yeah it took us 43 years to get here traffic was murder <laughs> oh that's amazing uh, you could have taken you could have taken, taken Jimi Hendrix's 10am slot in the rain or something I mean you could... oh yeah right <laughs> well uh, but I think in the end we got more mileage out of the story yeah of not playing than if we had actually played so yeah yeah absolutely I think John Mellencamp has a similar story actually I think there's a lot of bands that probably that probably uh, might lay claim to that but I tell you what Tommy it's it's just been a pleasure um, you know I can't thank you enough and we're so looking forward to seeing you here on uh, on Friday great talking with you Clint I, I, I appreciate I'm sorry about the, the screw oh, up at the beginning there no problem at all that's uh, hey, it's rock and roll and that's what happens Tommy we'll uh, we'll catch up soon when, when a live comes out we'll definitely want to talk about the new record um, we'll thank see, you we'll see you on Friday Hopefully I can come up and say hello. It'd be a pleasure to meet you, and we can't thank you. Please enough. do. Please don't be a stranger. Come up and say hi. You bet, Tommy. Thanks so much. You take care. Bye-bye. You Clint. bet. Thanks a lot. What a pleasure that was. It's been about a year and a half since we had Tommy on last. Uh, you can go to TommyJames.com to see all the dates he has. He has just a handful for the rest of the year. Of course, he's got the show in Branson at the Welk Resort Theater coming up on Friday. The Arcadia Theater in St. Charles on the 22nd. And then in Lynn, Massachusetts, the 28th, uh, before uh, a few more dates in New Mexico and Washington, Pennsylvania. And then he uh, starts 2019. He's got a show in Greensburg, Pennsylvania on February 14th. So look for more from Tommy James. Look for that new album, TommyJames.com. Get you all the info, uh, the social medias and everything uh, to get in contact and keep up with Tommy James and his wonderful career. Can't thank him enough and his manager, Carol Ross, for setting it up. Can't wait to catch the show. Friday night in Branson, Missouri. I'm going to be there to uh, say hello to Tommy and to check out the show. My first time seeing Tommy James. Can't wait to make this happen. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. Guys, the 
Interviews are coming fast and furious. Next week, we're going to be joined by former Scorpions, current Kingdom Come drummer James Kotak, going to be joining us on this very show. Stay tuned for that next week. <laughs>